welcome to Teachers Care Society, the podcast that talks about all news and development in the educational field. We have a good show for you today as I'm joined by Brianne Moore, a musical artist from Los Angeles. She's also known as Moore, and today we'll be discussing the importance of funding music education and all the benefits of it. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome back. So my first guest is Bree N. A little bit about her. She has, you attended uh, USC and you majored in music, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you're a musical artist from Los Angeles. Um, actually, I forgot to ask, are you, are you from Los Angeles or no? I know. It feels like it now though. I've been out here for, <laughs> for what feels like forever. <laughs> so then your love for music started where actually? I grew up in Vegas. So oh, my, Vegas, my background, Vegas. I know, not too far. And, and then, it, yeah, just was in then, uh, music. Yeah, I've oh, been doing music since I was a kid. So I wouldn't necessarily say Vegas itself is a musical cultural town. <laughs> it's not really known for that in that, at least not in that sense. But, I, you know, just within schools and uh, and things like that, that, that have been my education. So I want to know if Los Angeles has bragging rights, if, that, if the city of L.A., is what influenced you to be a musician or musical artist? Well, I definitely moved to LA for, for music, for sure. There's just more access as particularly as a music artist and songwriter to connect with other, a lot more, uh, a lot more people within the music business with, you know, from songwriters to producers to just the industry itself. Okay, good, good. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into our first topic. So, as the United States gets ready to go back into school in the fall, which for some of us might be a week or two weeks, or some of us are already in school, there have been talks about how to safely open schools. And of course, with opening the schools, the districts have to get creative with the visual and performing arts. So music, dance, art, theater, and currently schools are in danger of losing funding if they do not have in-class sessions or if they don't actually open up. But there are actually senators and politicians that want to make sure music education is still integrated and well-funded. I've heard of some propositions where they want music a minimum of five hours per week. And of course, we know music education has many benefits in development of children. Some of them are brain development. So we all heard of music therapy and how beneficial it is with students, even just adults as well, and enhancing their focus and attention. There is also increased benefits of communication and engagement with others. There's reduced anxiety, body awareness, and coordination. So this music therapy relates exactly with music education and particularly in language skills. So for example, you have students that played instruments. It shows they have better neural processing. And then for those of you who do not know, neural processing is a drive that helps with attention, perception, reasoning, coordinated movement, learning, and memory as well. And these aren't the only benefits. You also have reading and language skills that can also be improved. So music training uh, physically develops the left side of the brain, which helps with processing language because music is its own language as well. So people read and write music and this ties back to children being able to play a music instrument. It helps back again with the neural processing and with students and reading music, it leads to memorization. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You have procedure, reasoning, same thing with reading and language skills. Cause when students are reading music, they have to think about how they read it, process of events, you know, reading from left to right. Um, and even just having music in the background while say a teacher's having students read to themselves or even while students are taking a test can lead to better scores. Um, of course, it all depends on choosing the right appropriate music. I wouldn't want some hard rock metal or heavy metal playing while students are taking <laughs> state testing. Uh, <laughs> of course, you know, it all depends on the music. Um, so for you, how, I mean, what was your music education growing up? And when did you start music education? I remember definitely, and I remember as early as actually preschool, 
just a lot of sing-alongs. That was always a really big, big part of, I felt something I remember, which is kind of funny. Uh, but in elementary school, we did have, uh, I think it was once a week, we had a music class that we would go to for, I think, probably an hour. And then um, I know for me and just and especially as someone who has taught music at this point, I realized that there were definitely things I wish were a little bit better in, in that regard and maybe a little more frequent. Uh, but at least I can say it was there throughout my my schooling, I would say. What uh, what did you wish was better for for that music education? I think more often, uh, I think we had this one hour once a week and for kids, especially it just kind of gets lost. And then, um, I think there was also a rigidness to at least the, the teacher and the, and the, how it was, uh, taught was there wasn't a lot of variety and, um, kind of breadth of like being able to have fun. <laughs> it <laughs> felt more technical at times or just, you know, and so a lot of us kind of dreaded it going for that hour. So I think, um, it's important to being able to kind of, you know, have some of those, those elements of technical stuff because music ca can be technical, but at the same time being able to implement, I think some of the, the fun aspects and, um, especially again, especially for, for young kids. Yeah. As long as your teacher wasn't like uh, Fletcher from, I don't know if you saw the movie Whiplash. As long as your teacher had you know, let you have fun. That's good. Cause you know, especially yeah. from a young age, when you're introducing classes like that, you know, you want them to have fun. You want right. to their interest. Scare them off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then do you know the music teacher? So you said it was what once a week? Yes. Do you know if the music teacher was a volunteer or was an actual like paid position? Because I know for art, some for my experience with art, it was volunteers and then music. Mm. I want to say she was actually paid. I can't say for certain. Yes. I, I know as a, as a kid, it's, you, you don't know what's going on behind <laughs> the scenes, but I'm pretty positive she was a paid teacher in our um, at our school because she was kind of a staple person there. And I, I remember her from when I was because I went to the same elementary school pretty much throughout the whole time I was there. And she was there from when I was in first grade to when I was in fifth grade. So. Oh, and, okay. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so it carried great. all the way yeah, through great. K through fifth. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we know that music isn't only used in that music classroom. You know, that music is used actually in all content areas of the school environment. And some of the examples I have is music used in math and just like language arts, the benefits, math skills are always to improve. So for example, I taught a math lesson and it was about fractions. And so I try to show the connections between music and fractions. So think about music as whole quarter and half notes. And there are common fractions, uh, like half, right. quarter, uh, six, eights, etc. And I made the connection. So I taught the lesson using an application called Soundtrap. And oh, cool. it showed the differences in fractions and how the students create their own music in the groups using different notes. And basically the goal was to have students show which fractions are greater and how the as a denominator. So basically if the numerators are the same and the denominators are changing. So as the denominator gets smaller, the fraction gets bigger. They were actually able to do that, working in groups and changing up the, the different notes and showing how one's faster than the other one. And they were to see, oh, this fraction is greater or smaller than the other one. Um, I don't know. Did oh, you use great. music and math? No, but I think that's an amazing tool and, and something that I do think I wish was more integrated is that even in our regular classes like math, that you found a way to use something musical because mu music is math, right? There's, it's absolutely very mathematical <laughs> in a lot of aspects. And so I think being able to enter, like interweave those, um, those different academic lessons, I think is, uh, is awesome. Because when you teach, uh, I was gonna say, when you teach math, when you teach music, you're, mm -hmm. you, do you teach the students how to count, right? You know, counting in their head, oh, counting yes. with claps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
for sure. Because rhythm is a huge part of it. And that's something the youngest kids can, can do, uh, is, is learning, you know, not only to clap, but clapping to the beat. And it's so in, ingrained in, in us and all of us. And it's, it's amazing to see, you know, two year olds are even, you know, being able to clap on beat, uh, and understanding the concept of slow and fast and being able to, to, um, follow, follow the music like that. And I think that's, that's always been incredible to me. <laughs> Yeah, even even when uh, music is over or you haven't even just sitting down, whether it's on the rug or in their desk, you can still see some of them tapping their desk or tapping their foot, still trying to count to the rhythm of the music. Mm, yeah. And then music is also used in history. So first of all, music is a primary resource because um, there's so much history in music and you can go back to oral history and how music was used that way. People would tell stories through music as a form of oral history and you have world music which is a great introduction to world music and you can play a song and then you can have students ask who wrote that song who was the song written and what was going around that song but uh, the history about that song and then you have religious chants like uh, Rig Veda which are performed today in India and they're pretty accurate um, representations of music that is over uh, 2500 years old and then you could even play music that, you know, going to slave spiritual songs like Still Away to Jesus or Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And children might know the rhythm. They might know the, the humming to the song, but they might not know the history about it. And mm. you can tell them about, hey, you know, this song is about slave life and what was going on with the words. What are the words saying, the lyrics? And they, they could reflect on slave culture in the 19th century in those plantations. So music is history as well. I don't know if you experienced that um, or taught about it in your experience. I, with a lot of, I have definitely, so I didn't, I wasn't exposed to any of that until college. And I got to have a shout out to Professor McCurdy at (laughs) USC. Uh, It was a black music, uh, black, uh, black history in music. Um, And it was one of one of the best classes I I took because there was so much I didn't know and I didn't understand why that wasn't a part of my education prior to that point. Um, But we, you know, in that class, it was taught, it was talked a lot about um, just spirituals and how, where music started. I mean, even just American music started from, from that and how spirituals kind of brought communities together. That was where, um, not only for socializing, but also to talk politics, to know what's going on in their, in their communities. And, um, and then it kind of, you know, later being something that just in so many aspects, it's interwoven into all of our lives. So I definitely think music should be used and should be, especially in, in history, like you said, because it is, it's a huge part of our history. It's a huge part of us. And I think to leave it out in, uh, in, in some of those, those areas, I think is, is leaving out a, a big part of how, who we are and where, and where we've come from. And, and you can see it in, like you said, in all these different cultures and uh, backgrounds, it's, it's a huge part of us. Um, and it's sorry, just so much more exciting. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's so much it more exciting. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just more exciting than just here's a textbook, read that passage, you know, read pages, whatever, a hundred through 120, but you could play a song or you can even have students, Hey, you know, what is your favorite song? Why do you like that song? And then they, they might have a song that they like, or, you know, the song that, their families listens to even happy birthday, like for us in, in you know, in Spanish, the happy birthday song, there's history behind that. Uh, Feliz cumpleaños. There's history mm. to that. And I, I hate to burst people's bubble, but even the ice cream <laughs> truck song, it has racist backgrounds to it. Um, Gosh. yeah. And so just, just knowing that history as well. And just mm-hmm. knowing that music is, is part of everything. Just knowing that, their history behind it, why it was written, who wrote it actually. Um, you you yeah. gotta listen to who the song was written for and who it was written by. Right. So these are things to take in consideration. Um, right. 
as far as music in all content areas, is there, what's like the weirdest integration or like the least expected way music was ever integrated in your education? Like made you think, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. Hmm, that is a good question. I, hmm, I guess I would say, I, I feel like I, 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 it's almost like it's hard to remember <laughs> going back, but I know at least in college, some of, cause that's where I feel my better music education was. I don't feel a lot of the music education I got before, even though I think just the fact that I was exposed to music, I think at least is at least something that I, I am grateful for because I know there are a lot of schools where music and arts are taken out of their schooling. Uh, so at least I feel lucky that it was it was still even even if small, still a part of my development. But there was just so many things that I think were missed and, and so many things that I had to learn way later, which was in college. Uh, but what I I think as far as the aspects is just ha- being able to see in history and in, in my, you know, in my history classes. And, uh, I even took a native Americans class and, and how, when you're studying these things, how music is comes up and how it's a huge part of a lot of these different cultures to not just learning the music as a, as a musician, right? Like not only learning those skill sets and, and the practicing and all of that, it's, it's, you realize it's so much more than that. It's, it's language, it's communication, it's connection. And, uh, so I would say just having more of a larger breadth of, of, of a music education made me appreciate and see fully more so how much it's a part of all of our lives, even maybe when we don't even realize it. During my studying or during my student teaching, I had one course that was for science and they really pushed science and music for this one section of it. And I taught this lesson and it was pretty neat. Uh, Basically, it was we had students create their own instruments and they had to create a two-tone instrument using the materials that we had. And so it was recyclable stuff. So it could be a tissue box and rubber bands, just stuff you find around lying around in the house or in the classroom. And we had students create their own instruments and we showed them a a Jack White video and I've got to look at the video, but it showed Jack White creating a guitar using, I think it was a, it was a glass bottle and some strings and students were really engaged with it. They were like, wow, the, the connection between the, the vibration, the frequency. And then we could really take that lesson even further by having them create, all right, now create a five-tone instrument or just really push the boundaries. And so I thought that was one of the neatest. That is very cool. Yeah. Very neat, innovative way of incorporating music with science. Um, yes. So yeah. I, uh, there was actually with teaching, there was one of the classes where, cause I would say like a lot of the classes, uh, that I taught were, you know, these short, it's like an hour. So you're trying to squeeze in a lot of different <laughs> things with music. And sometimes that can be challenging, but I, there was this time where I was able to kind of squeeze in being able to, I think we were making little guitars out of, out of, uh, rubber bands and tissue box. So that was, that was really fun to be able to, to bring in almost, it's almost, you know, right. It's like building and it's, it's, it's using things that are, again, it's going beyond just music itself in a way. And then being able to apply it to even physical things that you can touch. And aside from, you know, other instruments, like you said, you can build your instruments. Yeah. So if we move forward with the news, we have Council Justin, Councilman Justin Brannon from New York. And so he wants to introduce a bill that has the New York City Department of Education require all public school students from kindergarten through fifth grade, so K through five, to receive three hours of arts and music education per week. And he cites the benefits of music and art, fostering creativity, open mindfulness and flexibility. And he says all these skills are needed for today's ever-changing society with 
uh, interconnected and increasing digital world. And he also talks about music being imperative in the early elementary school years, being part of the social, emotional, intellectual and sensory development. Now, I know you told me you growing up, you had what music once a week for, I don't know, one hour. Do you mm-hmm. think, do you like this proposal? Like is, is three hours enough or should it be more or what do you think? Uh, I think, I think that's great. I think it's a great start. I, I feel when it comes to just education in general, it should always be evolving and it's kind of trying these things out and seeing how that goes. But at the very least, I would say at least three hours for sure, if not more. But I also feel teachers in other kind of how we were talking about these other areas of education, like history and, and science that music can should be and be encouraged to to be a part of the curriculum and something that's taught so it's not just them going to music class it's also using music in in other ways to help learning yeah i agree just you know you shouldn't have to you know leave the classroom and go into a music classroom itself. You can bring the music into all aspects. I mean, right. even in PE, you could have you can sing a song oh, like music right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, or like just even in the chairs. background. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like musical chairs. Like when the song stops, find a you know you had to sit in the chair. Mm-hmm. So music can be used in everything. Just because it's those three hours dedicated to specifically music education itself, you can still. A teacher could go above and beyond incorporating music even more into the other content areas itself. Absolutely. Now, you and I both know music is not cheap. It is an expensive educational uh, program. And we can can already see the social uh, inequities in that. So if we look at children from low economic status, then we see that 74% of eighth graders with a high level of art engagement are aspired to graduate from college with a bachelor's degree as opposed mm. to 43% with low level engagement. So we, we know the benefits of music and those who take music or further their music education, they're most likely to graduate and pursue further education and a college degree as opposed to don't have that exposure to music and it's just, it, it comes down to it. Just music is expensive. No, no matter which way you look at it, instruments are expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes money to maintain instruments, uh, especially instruments where you can't share. Like, you know, you need to have one for every student then for the one, one for every student in every class, every school year. And schools have to decide how to use the budget, how to stretch it out. And even if we look at the upper grades for middle and high school, where you have schools that compete, uh, whether at a national or local level in competitions, performances become expensive with uniforms and transportation of the bus. Oh, gosh, and yeah. the cost is usually worth it in the end. The parents are very happy. Families are happy. Again, right. leads to a greater uh, further education. And we know that schools that offer music programs have a 90.2% graduation rate and 93.9% attendance rate, as opposed to schools that don't offer music education would have a 729 Graduation rate and 84% attendance rate. And it makes sense. You know, kids love music. They want to go to school. They want more of music. And then again, all the benefits with music itself, it creates a greater graduation rates and those furthering education. Um, do you, do you think music is tough for those who are privileged and like, you know, for privileged districts who those can afford it? I think that when you come from money, of course, that your exposure to it is is probably going to be greater, unfortunately, in the sense of being able to afford not only instruments, like you said, that are incredibly expensive, especially the more you get into your instrument, <laughs> they get more expensive, but also private lessons uh, and being able to expose yourself to a lot of the, that kind of instruction. I taught at a private school shortly uh, for a brief period of time, as well as an inner city elementary school. And both of them were elementary schools and definitely saw a dramatic, very huge difference in what they were exposed to and how they were exposed to, you know, one, the private school, they had not only their own instruments, they had one class that 
focused on kind of a general music education, but then they were able to take other classes that had more instruction. And I know when I was in elementary school, we didn't have a separate class to take. So they were able to take like violin or they were able to focus on, I think it was violin and, uh, some horn instrument and I don't remember which, what it was, but they were able to take either one or, or, you know, and, or, you know, one, one year, the next, next, the following year, whereas that usually didn't happen, at least in my education until junior high or high school, when you could do a band class. So the fact that they were kind of exposed way before is incredible. Um, and it was just more, and then their classes were smaller. So the teacher had more opportunity to really engage and really teach them, um, you know, really be more hands-on with them. Whereas at the inner city school, it was, uh, I think it was, oh gosh, I want to say 30 kids in there and like <laughs> just trying to maybe a little less, but just, it was a lot. And it was an after school program. So at that point, you know, they're tired there. It's, it's harder to, you know, they're already kind of done with school and, you know, it's just, I, I wished it was a little early and earlier for them and kind of interwoven into, into their day versus at the end of the day when, when, you know, we're all tired, but, but kids, especially, I think kind of get a burnout. So, uh, and then, yeah, it was just a large group and, um, just not the same. And it was kind of like trying to fit in all, all, all the music training into like this one short, uh, I think, I don't know, I think it was an hour. Yeah. It was an hour class that I did. Um, so yes, there's definitely, and then going to USC particularly, <laughs> I, uh, you see the benefits of students who have exposure and backgrounds that can afford not only their instruments, but their training and how in some ways they're so much further ahead. But I also think what's great that, that there are these programs that, um, that have been available and I hope continue to be and need to be that I think give more kids more exposure to, to music. I also, the internet is a great tool. And I think that has been able to help a lot of students that may not have access to certain things or, you know, as far as like private training and things like that, that YouTube is a great tool to really learn a lot of pretty much any instrument (laughs) Uh, and, and really be able to focus on their, whatever they want to learn. So I think at least there's that (laughs) that's helpful and some other tools and other ways of getting around the aspect of money. Um, so I like to think that there's, there's hope and that, and that to not let, I think a financial situation deter you from, from learning something, but at the same time, there are realities to, as we all know, and it's not just in music, it's in just education in general of when you kind of come from a place of, of having access and resources that you're, you're, you know, there's, there's, there are, yeah, there's going to be things that you're going to be able to move further ahead quicker and, and then someone who didn't have those things, of course. And there, there is a increase, um, there is an increased market for, for teachers. There is, you know, for music teachers, uh, you gotta say, um, and you know, over the next 10 years expected that the U S will have about 18,500 music teachers. Mm. And this, this number will keep increasing by 12% up until 2026. Yeah. But there just, there, there needs to be funding. There needs to be funding for teachers and needs to be funding for uh, classes as well. And yeah, yeah and luckily there the is. The first thing that goes, I think, especially in public schools, music and arts in general is always the first thing to go as far as when they're trying to budget and, and things. And I just think it should be more looked at as, as very crucial because I, I definitely think it is kind of what we've been talking about that it, it's, and especially again, like with young kids, like it just should be more of a practice because it is a huge part of, of our development and how our brains start to con- connect the dots to just in general to our learning. And I think, uh, that's, that's key. <laughs> and I, I gotta ask, so from your experience teaching, whether it's the little ones like preschool or kindergarten, have you seen cases where you have a shy child and all of a sudden that, you know, music turns on or you start teaching them and they transform into, you see the blossom. Do you, have you seen oh, that? Of course. Yes, absolutely. I think because it starts to be, at least for, from what I've seen more shy 
kids that it starts to feel more. We're all doing this together. We're all in this moment together. And it brings, and that's the thing is that I do think music has a great way of bringing you in the moment and bringing people in general together and that you're not so focused on yourself and, and, and your own shyness because you're seeing everyone's kind of being involved. And so then it encourages, encourages you to be involved as well. And I've definitely seen kids, especially kids who may have like an affinity to music that it, it kind of like you see the light come on in their eyes and, uh, it's, it becomes, it becomes fun. What about uh, 360 where uh, students are resisting going to class or saying, I just going this because my parents signed me up and all of a sudden right. they, they like it. Have you seen that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, or maybe they weren't too straightforward bit. about it. Maybe they're just showing very little interest and just like doing the bare minimum in class. And like, you know, a few weeks later, by the end, they're happily engaged in the, in the class itself. I definitely think it's harder uh, with older kids than it is with younger kids. Like when younger kids come in and they're a little resistant, sometimes just music and just the whole aspect of the class will kind of warm them up a little bit and make them feel more comfortable. Uh, and so I will say sometimes as, as, as we get older, uh, it's, it's sometimes harder if you don't already have like an interest in, in it that you're, you know, it's hard to get a lot of those kids kind of engage and you can't really force it. And so I think for me with, with maybe a student like that, it's, it's more just encouraging, but also not trying to, I, I was just a strong believer of not trying to force it either, because I do feel like, um, sometimes with music education, forcing something like that, it's just kind of, it, it makes them miss the point of, of what music is and, and that it's, and I, and I guess I'm more of the mindset of, of being able to, to show that even if this isn't something that you're directly at this moment engaged in, you might be later. And this moment right now of it not feeling like a pressure or not feeling unpleasurable in, in any way that you can come back and like, you know, that was still a cool time. I didn't want to go, but <laughs> I really liked, you know, whatever, just the, the energy of the room or something. I don't know that that's my belief. Um, but, uh, I can't directly think of like one particular student who had like a 360, I guess. Um, or yeah, as far as them coming in and not liking, I think, especially the after school programs, there was a little bit of that, but I think they also got to choose which particular class they got into. So I think even though there was a little bit of being tired or, or what have you, I think most of the students that I had wanted to be there. This is a bit off topic, but would you say what's, what's better? Is it having music early in the morning, midday or at the end? Cause I see maybe at the end, the kids are tired, they're oh, pooped, gosh, yeah. or maybe that's really what they're looking forward to at the end of the day or strong off with a start off with a bang music right early in the morning, or just maybe I guess halfway like after lunch or I guess recess. But do you see benefit and time for music? For sure. For sure. I think with the younger the kids are, I would say uh, earlier. <laughs> and I also noticed, cause I did an after school program, but I also taught at uh, a facility that was kind of, that was separate from their school. So it was almost like a private group instruction. And I noticed even like they were both afternoon, you know, classes. So after school classes, however, I think when students are at school all day, and they, and then like, they have to go to this after school class. That's kind of, they, they know is not a part of their regular day. And yet they're still in the same location, I think has something to do with feeling just burnt out and exhausted. Whereas the students where they had school, maybe they had a break at home for a second and then be, were able to come to the private group class that I taught. There was a little more engagement and, um, and kind of like a reju rejuvenated energy there versus, and, and kids that I saw really were engaged in it. Um, because it was, I think a different environment, a different space and, uh, and probably a little bit of a break right in between, instead of kind of feeling like you kind of don't really get one when you're at school all day like that. Yeah, for me, music was one of my favorite subjects, music and science. And 
I'd love that music was midday because everybody would be looking to it after lunch and, you know, people, the students or classmates would want to go into the classroom early before the right. lunch bell rang so that they could set up and get ready and get that nice, you know, the, the effect that music has. The kids are generally excited for it. Yeah, no. And I think that's a good time too. I mean, I, I know when, I mean, at least in high school, I remember having choir first thing in the morning and that was the worst thing ever and all of us were so not in it and I remember thinking why isn't this later this we would be so much more awake and engaged and because uh, first thing in the morning especially first thing in the morning having to sing like be physical is is draining for especially for teenagers I would say so <laughs> I do think time has a has a big impact but I also think it's yeah you, you know you have to cater to the age group too. Yeah. And I know earlier we were talking about the cost of music programs and how expensive they are. And luckily there is funding through grants. There you could be funding at government agencies. There could be charities, but there's even local corporate programs. So here you know, in LA or just, we have a guitar center, we have a Best Buy, you can reach out to them and ask for some grants or ask for maybe some gently used instruments. And there's also grants at government agencies, such as the U.S. Department of Education. You have the National Endowment for Endowment for Humanities. Fundraising is also an option, but current, given the current situation, that that would be way too much of a strain on families and even teacher organizing a fundraising is hard. Um, mm. Even do something, I, I guess you could do a GoFundMe, but donations always appreciated. And at least the second or the next topic, which is the alternative of digital music education. It could be cheaper and more accessible. I know I mentioned earlier how I taught a class using Soundtrap. There's also BandLab and there's other um, digital audio workstations or DAW. And there, there is... For, for me, I like a blend of both of them, of, of digital and live music education because with digital audio workstations allow students to create and even upload their own music, you know, upload their finished products on something like SoundCloud or MixCloud. And they take full ownership of that and they can easily share it. And as opposed to maybe, you know, back then how we used to burn CDs, but now they can easily upload their, their own finished product. And I know no technology can replicate the feel and sound of playing a real instrument. I, you know, I'm sure uh, everybody prefers holding the instrument in their hands and playing with it. And there's also things to take in consideration as far as training teachers how to use these new technologies. Um, you know, I, I could take a teacher who knows how to play maybe the piano or the trumpet, but then now they have to learn how to use this new this new platform, this new application, mm -hmm. and that could be stressful. It could be expensive, and adding just a moron to the play for these teachers. And again, we don't want to rely too much on technology because if you just click on a keyboard or just on the mouse or on a button and all of a sudden you're creating a beat there, you know, there's still the music reading skills that is involved with creating and reading music. I mean, do you, do you, do you see the benefits of like, like these digital audio workstations? For sure. Because I, I, with having gone into more production myself uh, and working in studios and, and just writing songs, off of that <laughs> is producing and, and production in itself can be a creative musical outlet. I do think there are fundamentals of being able to learn music, whether you're coming from a drummer perspective or a guitarist or a piano player or a singer that I think at least having that fundamental understanding of sounds and, and rhythms and how something will feel is of course, like it's, it's hard to, I think, go somewhere, but there are creative and thinking of DJs in particular, um, where you can get really creative just even with samples. So you're not even playing particularly yourself. You're just listening and cutting things up and arranging a, a piece of music really that is kind of original in and of itself because of all the things that you're putting together and piecing together. So I think that in and of itself is a creative form and a creative outlet and it, and is musical. It's, it's a, you know, obviously it's different than playing an instrument, but I think producing in that way is, is itself kind of an instrument, if that makes sense. Now you yourself, you prefer live instruments and you know, going to a, a studio as opposed to you know, 
some kind of digi- you know, digital audio workstation, right? Well, uh, well, studios all have DAWs, and so it always it's always a part of it. And I do record. What's what is great about this day and age is that a lot of us musicians have a DAW or some kind of home recording that at at home, and and it's been now. I used to when I was writing songs or playing music, it used to be outside of a DAW, and now. I pretty much don't write a song unless I'm recording it into my DAW and like doing other things that help me write or finish writing a song. And so it has a lot to do with the technology. So I think, I do think the earlier one can be exposed to this is, is, is good. And I I mean, I think you need to bring in other specialists maybe or people that know the technology versus trying to make a music teacher have to do it. (laughs) Because I think, you know, there's so many different specialties in music that I don't think people realize that it's, uh, I think it can all be important. I know, I think it was in fifth grade and I want to say it was before, no, not fifth grade. I'm sorry. It was in high school. It was my senior year. And I remember being so sad that this class happened my last year, but it was, it was kind of a early, (laughs) and I can't remember what software we were using. It was super, I want to say it was super old school, but I can't remember which one it was. But <laughs> what was cool about it was that was this like early, we had these little keyboards and we could do these little musical phrases and we were learning how to cut and move the wave files around and, and record into the, into these things. And I, rem- I remember just loving that so much. Um, that was so, ex- that was an exciting class for me. And so I think that that can also be a way for, for, cause there are students maybe who don't, I mean, I haven't, I've met producers who aren't uh, musicians technically. They're not these technical musicians who, you know, know how to play the keyboard or know how to play, but they can make these incredible productions. It's kind of amazing. So I do think maybe somebody's not interested in singing or not interested in playing the piano, but you get them kind of using technology and using um, and using sounds in general to create uh, a track like that, I think is, is still, you know, you can still bring people in in different ways than just the traditional, you know, sit down with your instrument kind of way of learning music. This is a bit off topic, but I know a teacher who, so they, so the teacher, had a project and basically the project was they had her class record an original song and I guess it officially became the the school, um, not the mascot, but the school, the school pride song. And so, and they recorded the song and through DAWs, they were actually able to edit it and then they actually uploaded it. And I don't know on which platform they did, but they uploaded it and when whatever streaming service it was, whatever money or they made from that streaming services, it was a fundraising essentially. So they used that, they uploaded it, they sent it to emails, they sent it out to the newsletters, they sent it out to the local community and people would stream the song. Students were very proud of the song. They took great pride in like, hey, we created this, this mm-hmm. musical piece and whatever yeah. proceeds they made from it, that was used for fundraising to further their music education. I thought that was an awesome way of using something like this, like DAWs. And I was quite impressed. Oh yeah, that's really cool. That's a and it's a really cool, great idea because we have access to do that ourselves. We don't have to rely on on uh, record labels anymore. That anyone and everyone can upload their music and get them on all those pretty much any streaming service. And especially when it's something like that, I think that's a great way to to raise money for sure. And if we move forward, go into music with the early ages and even just in special education, I know earlier we were talking about the benefits. So like singing and speech and the rhythm and motor skills, even just lyric memorization and increased focus. I think about the ABCs, you know, ABC, there's, that's a song and also repetition. It teaches students how to sing their, you know, the ABCs and I, you know, there's other songs as well that I can't think of right now <laughs> that are used to teach uh, just lessons. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure like the days of the week song, you have the days of the week. Oh yeah. Uh, what else? Seasons. Those, all these songs. And I guess it goes back to the idea of theory that, you know, when babies weren't in the womb, uh, we, we have that rhythm and we're able to comprehend two elements of music. You have sound and rhythm. So, and then even after we're born, a child likes 
being on the knee or on the lap and you know being uh, you know the knee going up and down it just creates that rhythm that soothing effect like they would in the womb have you seen like benefits in like maybe in early preschool or with special education the benefits of having music in preschools and just, yeah, or just even teaching it. Yeah. From like younger age, like really oh, young yeah. age. Oh, oh yeah. Babies. Yeah. I, I did some mommy and me classes and I think it's not only great for social skills and it broke because in, in something like that, you're bringing kids together or you're engaging them in something, some activity that's out kind of outside of themselves. And so I think they're, they are absolutely learning language and, and movement and, you know, getting a lot of their motor skills, like you said, and, and dexterity, um, along with the beat. I don't know what it is about rhythm and time that kind of helps with a lot of those, those developments and those, that kind of learning. I, I, and this is something I wish I was exposed to as a kid. Cause I'm like, Oh, how further along would I be if, if, I had, you know, my mom was doing these music <laughs> mommy and me classes and or, um, you know, exposing me to kind of more of a, um, a variety of music within preschool. Cause I think of course, sing-alongs, right. All, all teachers in preschools pretty much use a lot of the sing-alongs cause they know that that keeps the kids engaged and movement, but even going beyond that and, and actually teaching rhythm and, and actually going a little beyond because it's amazing to me how fast babies basically are, are, can catch on to some of the music things that I remember learning later in life, uh, you know, like, like rhythms and, and knowing what quarter notes are and how much, what kind of beat does that have or, or, you know, and being able to, to um, not only visually see like music notes and know what to do, what that, what that music note does, but also even sounds like we, I would do, we, I did a lot of ear training with basically preschool age kids and how they were able to, I worked, I saw their pitch get better. And that was really incredible that that could happen. So young that you are working on, I was usually using the C major scale and we were working on these, you know, just basic call and response kinds of singing and how even if they're not necessarily a vocalist or they're not you know who knows if they're going to grow up to be a singer but just even being able to hear the different the difference between like low and high notes and being able to try to emulate that and i think the more early exposure you you give to kids uh with that the the quicker they get onto that it is kind of what i've seen and that's pretty awesome wow that is pretty neat and um even students or even children who are, you know, deaf or hard of hearing, they can still enjoy the benefits of many, you know, yeah, the many made up benefits of music education. Have you, I don't know if you experienced that or maybe you know someone uh, like that. I'm sorry, say that again. Like even, like even those uh, students or children who are part of the deaf or hard of hearing community, they still mm-hmm. can in fully enjoy the benefits of music, even through the vibrations or even just through dance as well. I mean, have you experienced any of that or maybe know someone? I have not. Uh, it works in that world of, of teaching music, but just from what I know of, of, of in general of teaching music. And, and I think there's a lot that can be visual. And I think again, even just tapping like uh, one thing that I, we would do in, in some of the baby classes, uh, music baby classes I was teaching is, is telling moms or parents to kind of tap their kids foot as it, it wouldn't even be necessarily we're doing something like singing something music, but we would be, maybe I would be reading a story and just tapping the words in kind of a, po- you know, so it's almost like I'm doing it in a cadence poem kind of form. And so they're almost tapping the words and just, I feel like that in and of itself is kind of associating a sense of rhythm to, to language. Uh, and so I think there, are, and then just visual too. I think there's some, there's so many ways to take in, um, I think rhythm and movement and, um, that I think is a huge part of, of music education. As we wrap this episode up, 
I I just want to give you a chance. I want to thank you. And I also want to say, is there any advice that you would give out to maybe just teachers out there dealing with the pandemic or just future teachers who are thinking about as entering the music field or the music education? Is there any advice you would give to them? Oh, gosh. I would say first, I think that first step of just getting into that is is a great, incredible step. And I think the one thing I have learned is that to really be kind of flexible with all of the different classes that you teach, because it will be different, all of them, and the, depending on the students. And, and I think this is the case for any teacher really, is you're kind of adjusting to the class that you have. But I think particularly with music, because there's going to be a lot, you're not going to just teach one type of class. I mean, I taught private lessons. I did mommy and me. I did early music education. I did elementary school. And, and so I, I think being able to, to be flexible and then learn a lot of those where students are at particular development stages and being able to utilize, um, some of the tools that can help, um, where kids are at and being able to find ways of engagement. Um, and I know everyone has like different styles and, and it is kind of, you know, more or less you finding your style. But I, I also feel that meeting, meeting kids where they are, instead of you kind of having like this idea of how it's going to (laughs) go. Like, I think there should be, I mean, of course there should be organization and there should be on your part and, and, you know, things you kind of know you want to try to do, but there should also be room for molding and, and you learning as well, because that will absolutely be the case and how you can be a better teacher. And this is up to you to share or not, but I think consistency is one thing as well. Like just cause you know, your, your lesson doesn't go as planned. Doesn't mean you should give up. Uh, oh, I don't absolutely. know if you had that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, a lot of the time, probably, you know, <laughs> more of the time that would happen. You kind of have an idea of how your curriculum is going to go, how it's going to flow. And that's always great, right? You should always have like an outline of how, what you want to do. And, but I think at the same time, sometimes it goes off course and sometimes that's okay. And to not, uh, always have it have to be this rigid way of, of learning because kids you find show you how they learn. And I think that's important to realize. And then not only that, but like not all kids learn differently. All kids take in the information differently. And so of course you can't be one teacher who is able to do all the things, but maybe (laughs) you, you know, there's some variety in the ways that you teach and the ways that you bring in music. And like you said, just um, the repetition and but doing it in different ways. And so that way you're kind of touching a lot of the bases and a lot of ways maybe kids might be interested or make kids might be um, kids learn. Wow. So I want to thank you again so much for being a guest yeah, here and sharing you your knowledge. Of course. It's happy um, to be here. This is uh, this has been another episode of Teachers Care Society. I want to say thank you to our guest, Brianne Moore. Um, thank you, Brianne. Where actually, where can they? How can they find your music? How can they find your music? <laughs> uh, my Instagram handle and all my social media handles is she is more. It's M O R, and uh, yeah, that's where you can find a lot of my music. Do you want to? Uh, it's up to you. Is there any a little sneak peek of what else you got going on? I mean, have you been busy more than ever through this pandemic? surprisingly I have been pretty busy during this crazy time being able and luckily being able to work from home has been been amazing Uh, I've just been really working I'm I'm hoping to put out a song before the end of the year another song so uh, that's always kind of going the, the artist stuff and um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, and I've just been and speaking of Dawes, like that's something I've been learning a lot in the last few months. So and I also want to thank the listeners like you. See you next time. Music as well. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.